You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. We're going to run through the SEC Week 8 matchup breakdowns. Only three games in the conference this week with four of them postponed, but we will run through each of the three games that are happening. Also talk all things SEC with Lance Taylor of Jocks FM in Birmingham. We'll get his thoughts on the Alabama Crimson Tide as well as his thoughts on a Bama-Florida SEC title game that's basically all but set to happen in several weeks. We'll also catch up with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports. We'll get his thoughts on the SEC postponements as well. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free. Wherever you get your podcast, you get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every week. All right, before we get to our matchup breakdowns, the three monster games in the SEC this week, let's get to a few tidbits around the SEC before we do our breakdowns. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. Some rough news Thursday morning for the Kentucky Wildcats as their offensive line coach, John Schlarman, passed away with a rare form of cancer that he battled over the last two years. In his time at Kentucky, Schlarman became a key component of the offensive staff. Kentucky had rushed for 4.1 yards a carry or better in each of his seasons on the staff. His offensive line paved the way for four consecutive seasons of 1,000-yard rushers at UK. They had never done that or they never had two such seasons in a row of 1,000-yard rushers. Kentucky had never led the SEC in rushing before he got there, and in 2019, they did. They stand third in the conference so far heading into this weekend. Over Tennessee, offensive lineman Brandon Kennedy on Thursday was named among 12 finalists for the prestigious Campbell Trophy. That's kind of the academic Heisman, if you will. As a finalist, Kennedy becomes a National Football Foundation National Scholar Athlete. That's the seventh person to do that in Tennessee's program history. Kennedy is a fifth-year senior. He started at center at every every game this season for the Vols. He is on pace to earn his master's degree in agricultural leadership education and communications in December. That will be his third degree. He started his career at Alabama where he got his bachelor's degree in psychology in just three years. He joined Tennessee as a grad transfer in 2018 and earned a master's degree in sports psychology and motor behavior last year. Kennedy is one of three Power 5 athletes to earn the honor this season, joining Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger and Washington defensive back Elijah Molden. Over at Georgia, they released their seven-game 2020-2021 non-conference men's basketball schedule. We're starting to get some of these basketball schedules out, but the thing of note All seven games will be played in Athens, Georgia, and the only game that really sticks out is December 19th, a big matchup against Cincinnati. Usually always a very good basketball program. That'll be a fun one to watch. Over at AL.com, our buddy John Tolte, who's been on the podcast before, he said he talked to a bunch of folks about what the Hugh Freeze job market looks like because he's killing it right now at Liberty. Got them ranked in the top 25. And John Tolte says within the SEC, Sources said to keep an eye on three schools over the next couple of months to years. South Carolina, Tennessee, and Auburn all could be on the radar for Hugh Freeze. Maybe not next year, but maybe two years from now, something to keep an eye on. And that is around the conference. Not a lot going on with a lot of these schools 
And just one more tidbit real quick. I saw Marcus Murphy at Mississippi State Safety took to Twitter late yesterday afternoon. He said, after careful consideration of what is best for me and my family moving forward, I've decided to opt out of the 2020 football season. Appreciate the love and support I've received during my time at Mississippi State University. So the news just keeps getting bad in Starkville as guys continue to head out uh, on the transfer circuit. I did see also Auburn linebacker K.J. Britt. They announced he is heading to the Reese's Senior Bowl. So uh, good news there on the uh, kid who had surgery just a couple weeks ago for Auburn. He will be heading to the Senior Bowl. Great platform for him to showcase his talents as he gets ready for the next level. All right, let's get into it. Let's do our matchup breakdowns for all three games this weekend. Matchup breakdowns. All right, 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern. 0-5 Vanderbilt takes on 2-4 Kentucky in Lexington. That game will air on SEC Network. Kentucky has won four straight against the Commodores, including five of the last six. Wildcats ranked 30th in the nation in total defense, and they are second in the country with 11 interceptions. Kentucky also leads the SEC in scoring defense, giving up just 19 points a game. Meanwhile, Vanderbilt's offense, they rank 103rd in the country. Defense ranks 82nd. Vanderbilt's dead last in the conference in points scored at 12 points a game. However, Vandy did have a valiant second-half effort last week against Mississippi State. They lost by seven. But Kentucky's rushing attack that ranks third in the SEC, and that stout defense should be enough to control this one. The spread is Kentucky by 17. Expert projections say Kentucky to cover 34-14. to 14. I'll go a little bit more low scoring because I think Kentucky runs the ball, eats up a lot of clock. I'll take Kentucky winning 27-10. to 10. That'll be a push on the 17-point line, but it's expected to be cold. Slight chance of rain in Lexington, as it typically is this time of year. Kentucky continues to try to get back to 500 while Vandy remains winless. At 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, it is 3-3 Arkansas traveling to Gainesville to take on number 6-ranked Florida. As we already know, the Razorbacks, they will be without their head coach, Sam Pittman, out with COVID-19. Barry Odom will serve as the interim coach. It's a matchup we rarely get. Florida leads the all-time series 9-2. Florida, of course, off their monster win over Georgia last week, 44-28, while Arkansas beat Tennessee 24-13. Florida has the fifth-best passing offense in the country, 11th-best scoring offense, putting up over 42 points a game. Arkansas, they lead the nation in interceptions with 12, and one of the best turnover margins in the country. Arkansas is kind of middle of the pack. As far as offense, ranked ninth in the conference in rushing, eighth in passing. And they're not great against the run, but that's not really a strong point for Florida offensively. I think what has to happen for Arkansas, they're going to have to force Kyle Trask into some mistakes. We did see him throw a pick six last week against Georgia. It didn't really matter. But if Arkansas is going to have a shot in this one, they're going to have to force turnovers. And keep in mind, Florida's defense has not been that great this year, giving up 29 points a game. And then there's the revenge factor with Felipe Franks going up against his former team in his former stadium. How poised and focused will Felipe be? I think he gets a little bit, we get a little bit of a shootout in this one. Likely close at the half. I think Florida pulls away in the second half. The spread is Florida by 17 and a half. Expert projection says Florida 40 to 18. I think Arkansas scores more than that. Give me Florida 38, Arkansas 27. The Razorbacks cover that large spread. And at 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern on SEC Network, 2-4 South Carolina is at 2-4 Ole Miss. Our first matchup of Will Muschamp versus Lane Kiffin. Ole Miss is an 11-point favorite. Their last two games, South Carolina, they've given up a combined 100 points. 
versus LSU and AM, while offensively scoring just 24 points and three points, respectively. Ole Miss, on the other hand, they beat Vandy 54 to 21 two weeks ago before their bye week. But prior to that, the Rebs had three straight losses to Bama, Arkansas, and Auburn. I think Matt Corral and the Rebel offense is going to have their way against the South Carolina defense. Ole Miss is number one in the SEC running the ball by a pretty healthy margin. They, they run by, for 215 yards a game, and their passing offense is fourth best in the conference. The 18 passing touchdowns by Matt Corral, second only to Kyle Trask in the SEC. Question is, what will the South Carolina offense look like? Is it going to be Ryan Holinsky at quarterback? As of now, Will Muschamp says they still don't know who's going to start. Bottom line is Colin Hill has not been great in recent weeks. I think there's a chance we see the Gamecocks play several quarterbacks, maybe even Luke Doty, but they have got to get Kevin Harris going after Texas A&M shut him down last week. It's no secret Ole Miss's defense is really bad. They rank 120th in the nation, giving up over 533 yards a game. Expert predictions say Ole Miss 35, South Carolina 26. I think this is more high scoring than that. I'm going Ole Miss winning at home 44 to 31. And there you have it. Those are our matchup breakdowns. Coming up next, you don't want to miss it. We'll talk all things SEC with Lance Taylor of Jocks FM and a little bit later, Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports. Almost the weekend. Feels like it's almost here. Can you feel it? I can feel it because in the back of my mind, in the back of my mouth, I could taste it already. An ice cold Coors Light. That's what I do every Saturday. I tell you guys all the time. It's where I'll be all day this Saturday. Look, less SEC games to watch. That's okay. We've got some other college football. We got the Masters. We got a whole heck of a lot of stuff to entertain us and sit back, relax, and enjoy an ice cold Coors Light. It is the beer that is literally made to chill and I, Coors Light wants you to know no matter what you're watching this fall, whether it's golf, whether it's uh, the Korean Baseball League, whether it's college football and the SEC that we love so much, doesn't matter what sport you're watching, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. So flip through the channels, find a sport, crack open a Coors Light. We tell you all the time, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you guys want to hit the reset button like you need to pretty often these days, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their new look bottle, delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Rolling along here, Locked On SEC. And, man, what a week it has been in the SEC. Not one, not two, not three, four postponements. And, man, it's – look, we're grateful to at least have a college football season. We do still have three games scheduled as of now to happen in the SEC this week. But, man, what a change it has been on a a crazy, crazy week. And join us now to talk all things about it is Lance Taylor, the Lance Taylor on Twitter, co-host of the Roundtable on Jocks FM in Birmingham. Lance, what's going on, man? Man, you are right, Chris. Everything seemed to be going so smooth. And, uh, you know, we had a perfect, clean slate in the SEC. And it's like everything has gone off the rails in one weekend. And uh, it is discouraging, but I agree with you. It's better than uh, what we had two months ago. (laughs) 
I just think back to I, I could only rewatch LSU Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl, you know, or whatever it was the 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 playoff uh, replay so many times. My goodness, LSU Clemson. I think I watched about forty five times. But uh, your thoughts overall? I mean, just look. We get the safety protocol. I get they what they you know they do what they got to do. But it seems crazy to me, Lance, when I'm seeing games postponed and then we're hearing, yeah, we had one positive test or, yeah, we had one player and a staffer test positive. Like, why is the protocol so stringent on the contact tracing where I'm watching the NFL and I see a guy, you know, gets pulled out for contact tracing on Saturday and he's back at practice on Wednesday? Yeah, I don't get it. I guess because we're dealing with, uh, you know, I'm doing air quotes right now as we speak, Chris, amateurs. Uh, It's all optics. It's ridiculous. I don't get it. And I don't really, realistically, I don't know how you finish the season if we're going to go with contact tracing. I know for a fact the Pac-12 of the Big Ten, they've got no shot because their season is so abbreviated and so compacted now with them pushing it back. There is zero chance they're going to be able to complete a season. You know, there was fear that Wisconsin, which I assume they're going to play Michigan on Saturday, there were thoughts that after that Illinois game, they weren't going to play this entire year and everything is so compacted and such an abbreviated schedule with the Big Ten. Um, I think you and I are on the same page with this. I think, again, it's all optics. But unfortunately, there are people that are, you know, thinking the other way. (laughs) Talking with Lance Taylor. Uh, Let's talk some actual football. And since we're not going to have a whole lot of games going on this weekend, uh, what's to you, what's been the biggest surprise so far of the SEC season? Well, we could talk LSU. You know, I, I thought that there would be steps taken backwards. Obviously, that was just kind of a moment in time for, Ed Orgeron to have the combination of Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and to go 15-0 and and just to seem, seemingly get better each and every week. But for this to come completely off the rails. And, you know, the offense at times when Miles Brennan was in there looked pretty good. Finley looked really good against South Carolina, minus one, one bad mistake. But the defense under Bo Pelini has been complete garbage. And watching them against Auburn a couple of weeks ago, it looks like they've just completely tapped out. So, you know, to me, the biggest story has been, you know, LSU to go from 15-0 and 0 to sitting at 2-3. and 3, And, you know, I just don't know how much they care right now. How do you see, and we'll find out in the coming days, how Greg Sank and the SEC decide to fix the situation with the schedule down the, down the road. Obviously, you know, LSU's got to make up a game against Florida, a game against Alabama. And if those are the two teams playing in the SEC title game, well, you only got one week to play. As of now, LSU would play Florida in that week. Alabama would have the week off. If it comes down to you to it, do you think the SEC just says, "Look, let's just post or let's just cancel the LSU Florida game" because it's not exactly fair to have Florida play in the week before the title game and Alabama not? Yeah, I, you know, I would agree with you, and I wonder how you know. And, and Florida obviously would have to you know play because they couldn't afford a loss. It's like they would have to play everybody, so it wouldn't be equitable to absolutely have to play that game. So I really don't know what Greg Sankey and the SEC would do in that situation. You know, the problem though, Chris, is we've lost. You know, these games are postponements now. They're not cancellations like we're seeing in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. But if we get to the point where you've actually got to cancel games, you're talking about dollars that are going with it. I know CBS is in a complete panic this weekend. You know, they were so excited about going straight from Masters coverage to what you would get with LSU and Alabama, albeit probably not going to be a great game on the field. Alabama more than a three-touchdown favorite. But, you know, it's just all about the dollars now. So I don't know how many of these cancellations they can afford. 
It is uh, going to be a stretch. I mean, I, do you think they would just redo the re- the remaining schedule? I mean, I know that uh, it becomes an issue with everybody based on travel and and hotels and all that kind of stuff. But do you think Sankey just puts every you know all remaining games in a hat, shakes it up, and says, "Let's redo this whole thing"? I don't know, man. I mean, look, it's twenty twenty. Anything's possible. <laughs> I, I, I it's. I mean, it is baffling. You know, we even had talks on Monday. You know, when we first heard that there was going to be no Mississippi State-Auburn, and then there started to be talks about, you know, LSU had some positive tests, and there was a possibility that that game was going to be canceled, people started to say, well, if Alabama is fine and Auburn's fine, why don't we go on and just roll the Iron Bowl out this Saturday? It sounded like complete insanity, but at the same time, in 2020, who knows? So, you know, and nothing is going to shock me. We've talked about 18, you know, college football playoffs now. Uh, the NFL is obviously amending what they're doing, uh, and there's a possibility they're going to have 16 postseason teams. So, you know, nothing at this point would surprise me. How surprised are you at how good Mac Jones has been? I, I, I keep saying this, Lance, coming into the season, I said, you know, maybe he's A.J. McCarron, Blake Sims-like. I didn't think he'd be Tua-like, but when you look at the numbers, he's just as good as Tua statistically. Yeah, Chris, in this Steve Sarkeesian offense, I thought he was going to be good. You know, we watched him. And, you know, I've brought this number up before. You know, against Auburn, he put up better numbers than Joe Burrow did, although they lost that game, and he threw a couple of critical pick sixes. Um, against Michigan, he put up better numbers than Justin Fields. I mean, he's a quarterback that's really comfortable. He's getting better and better. He throws one of the best deep balls in college football. He throws a better deep ball than Tua did. Um, I'm not saying he's the player that Tua is. I mean, obviously, we've already seen Tua's 2-0 in the NFL, and he's one of those generational players. But Mac is squarely in the Heisman race. He's lost one of his best weapons in Jalen Waddle, but he's just such a confident kid, and he just doesn't miss throws right now. But you know, back to the original question, I'm kind of blown away. He's this good. I thought he would be more in the and not a shot at Greg McElroy. I love G Mac. I thought he'd be more in between what you would get with Greg McElroy and AJ McCarron, which is a really good college quarterback that can win you a championship. Obviously, both of those guys did, but I didn't see what seems to be right now an elite quarterback in the SEC. Yeah, and crazy to see his name popping up in mock drafts as a potential first-rounder already. Yeah, I, man. I saw him, you know, <laughs> Mel Kuyper's big board today. I saw him at number 24. He's, you know, it's loaded with quarterbacks, five quarterbacks on there, but he's the fifth quarterback at 24. And if you would have told me two years ago – Mac Jones was going to be a first-round selection in the NFL draft. I would have told you you're insane. <laughs> uh, last thing for you, Lance. I know you're a betting guy, and I don't want to look too far ahead, but let's look ahead since it looks like it's going to be Alabama-Florida in the SEC title game. What would be an early line for you uh, on that game? You know, it's interesting you ask me this, Chris, because I got asked this this morning. I think Alabama would be eight. I think it would be a shade over a touchdown. You know, I think the biggest problem is Alabama's defense since that first half against the Georgia game, I think they've been challenged, and I think they've responded, and I think they're playing extremely well. They look like a Nick Saban defense. I think Pete Golding was on, I don't want to say a hot seat, but he was feeling a little heat. But the defense responded. Uh, they've become one of the better defenses in the SEC, and Florida's defense, I'm just not sold yet. Look, I think Kyle Trask with a healthy Kyle Pitts, the way Tony's playing, um, I think they can score on anyone. I think Alabama would have trouble stopping Florida's offense. I don't trust Florida running the football as well as Najee Harris can for Alabama. So Alabama's going to be favored over anyone they play, and I think they would slightly list it above a touchdown. So I would say right now Alabama would be a, a solid eight-point favorite in that game. It is amazing how things in the SEC have changed. We used to pride ourselves on defense. Now it's a hey, first one to 40 points probably wins. It's just crazy, it, the offense. <laughs> 
Yeah, man, I remember, you know, the guys I'm doing a show with, we've been doing a show 11 years together, and I made a prediction. It was like seven or eight years ago. I said there will be four teams that average over 35 points this year in the SEC, and they looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> I said, we're going this direction, man. It's, it's about to become offense. People used to win championships with defense, but watch out. And that year, like six teams averaged 35-plus. And since, as you said, man, I mean, it's like the, the, the first one to 50. Yeah, it's unbelievable, but it's uh, at least it's entertaining. It's fun to watch. He is Lance Taylor. Follow him on Twitter, at the Lance Taylor. Lance, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Enjoy the games, Chris. Thanks. Lance Taylor there of uh, Jocks FM in Birmingham does a fantastic job and, uh, of course, uh, uh, does weekly appearances with uh, on Fox Sports Radio and uh, always love his betting uh, insight. One of the best out there, the Lance Taylor on Twitter. All right, when we uh, we'll step aside, when we come back, we're going to catch up with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports. We'll get his thoughts on the craziness around the SEC this week. Guys, we're weeks from Thanksgiving and Christmas. And what do we do this time of year? It's when we start to pack on the pounds because we're eating a lot of stuff we shouldn't be eating. It's too cold outside. Can't go get that afternoon run in anymore. Might I recommend our friends at Built Bar? They are the best tasting protein bar ever. Let them help you make some healthier choices when it comes to snacking or even meals if you want to go that route. They got the improved Built Bar. It is even deliciouser with 18 amazing flavors. That's right. They got the six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, which is my favorite. Built Bars are healthy, great for the health conscious person if you're looking to lose or maintain weight while you indulge in a delicious treat. The uh, cookies and cream, as I said earlier, my favorite, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs. What are you waiting for? Start making some healthier decisions in your life right now. Let Built Bar be the way you go. Go check them out right now, BuiltBar.com. Search their website. Find which ones you want to put into your order. You can even do a variety pack. They've got like one of every different flavor. If you want to go that route, try each one. See which one is to your liking. But when you do it, make sure you put in the promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N. You'll get twenty percent off your next order. Again, that's promo code Locked On twenty percent off at BuiltBar.com. Here, locked on SEC craziness this week. We're not one, not two, not three, but four games in the SEC this week postponed. Our buddy Lynn Scarborough from Lindy Sports joining us now. Hey, Lynn, how are you, man? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm doing great. The, um, I, you know, I've been doing this a long, long time, and. Uh, I wasn't there for the first football game, but it probably wasn't a whole lot longer than that. And I've never seen anything like uh, you know like this. We've never had anything like this. We, uh, I, I counted up, guys. We had forty-seven up through last weekend. We had forty-seven football games among um, the uh, uh, FBS and, and or the uh, Power Five and Group of Five. We had forty-seven football games that had either been postponed or canceled. Thirty-seven had been postponed, and ten had been canceled. And and now we've got what's happened this week already, and and it's only Wednesday. We could still have more. Um, and it's you know, guys, it's really. I know y'all may have already talked about this on the show some, but it's really uh, gotten to the tight point now. Um, the even the SEC and its wisdom of uh, of how they did it, which I, I do compliment them for it greatly, because they at least have got options to do things. Um, but now it's even getting to where they're running out of options. And and of course the Big Ten and the uh, and the Pac-12 
they they have had no postponed games. They, you know, Pac-12 only started last week, and uh, they got what seven ball games. Two of them weren't postponed; they're canceled. Uh, Wisconsin's already got two games that are canceled, and um, you know, then they don't they don't have an option on on a way to do it without doing something really freaky. And um, and and a team like Wisconsin, you know, they're number twelve or thirteen in the country, and they're only that low because they hadn't played but one ball game. And with two games already canceled, you know they could end up only playing like five games. Well, let's say that they do go undefeated and they're ranked in the top ten when they get ready to play for the championship against Ohio State or whatever. Um, are you going to let a team that's that's undefeated with five wins? Are they going to uh, have an opportunity to go do something over a team that played ten games that uh, that's got one loss? Uh, and and that starting to, to crop up in as a legitimate question in several conferences, uh, Oregon, uh, they haven't had to lose any games yet. You know, California and Washington and Utah, they've already had to cancel games. Um, you know, what are you going to do in that, in that circumstance? So, you know, and, and it's going to be tricky, uh, Chris, on what they're going to do for LSU. Cause the, uh, you know, LSU already having the Florida game and you probably saw it. There was an article in the Baton Rouge paper, I think this morning that proposed a kind of unique way to get, get around it. That might be the only way to do it, to be able to LSU to be able to play Florida and play Alabama. Yeah, the Um, the the tough part becomes, Lynn. Yeah, like you said, you've got the one open date between the end of the season and the SEC championship game to make up all these games, and now you've got teams with two games to make up. And so, how do they do it? How do they maneuver this? the The bigger thing that that I've been noticing, Lynn, is they've you know one, it's not necessarily an outbreak of COVID, right? I mean, we've seen. You know, LSU said they had four positives. A&M had two positives. It was one player and a staff member. It's the contact tracing that's what's doing that's these right. teams in because it's if that person who was infected came in contact with somebody, well, they basically pull out that p- entire position group and, you know, they got a quarantine yep. for X amount of days. I just wonder, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine who works in the SEC program this morning. He said, yeah, they're still doing testing on Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. I'm like, why not ramp it up, test every day? Like, in my mind, that yep. would be the better way to go because – Man, having to sit around and wait seven days for a kid to find out, oh, you were you were negative after all. Like, let's ramp this thing up and try to get something, be more proactive here. Uh, the other part of it, Lynn, is I'm I'm being told the policy at the start of the season was if a kid tested positive, well, they didn't have to test again for 90 more days. What happened is a lot of kids who may have tested positive in July or August, those 90 days are running up now. So some of those kids who may have you know, you didn't have to put in contact tracing because, okay, they, they may have been, you know, had the antibodies, already had it. Now they're in danger again because they're going, well, no, we got to start testing you again, and you're liable to be pulled out for contact tracing. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and the thing is, you know, hindsight, uh, hindsight's 20-20 or 50-50, as, as the late Pat Dye said one time. Uh, but, yeah, you can always look in hindsight. They, they should be testing every day. And I know they're going to say, well, it's it's uh, uh, conflicting on the schedules and it's too restrictive and it costs too much and all that. Well, it doesn't cost too much if it would stop you from having totally uh, to eliminate ball games. And so I, I agree with you totally. Um, and, you know, you don't know if they're being too cautious or not. Some of the league, you know, the Big Ten's having you make 21 days, uh, I think 15 days before you need to start having any activity again. SEC, I think, is, is maybe 10 days, which to me seems more reasonable. But um, – but no, I agree with you. And the problem, of course, Chris, is that uh, that we haven't ever done this before. It's not like you can say, "Oh, well, the last two times we did it, we did it such and such a way." It, I mean, it's trial and error. I hope we never have this again. But at least I think you know, we will have learned some lessons 
from um, you know from from what what we've done. But certainly they need to test them more often, see if more people can play. You know, LSU was down to if I read the article correctly, they had no long snapper, so they're going to have to let their regular center uh, hardly get comfortable with the long snapping. They had no tight ends. So they're going to have to play either putting putting somebody else at that position, or maybe you're, you know, you, you take away all the plays where you where you got a tight end, have two H backs out there or something. I don't know. Well, a step but further, they were, Lynn, they didn't have their their backup quarterback was their punter. So that's right. Yeah, good good thing yeah, they're not they playing a game. Yeah, Finley, if Finley gets hurt, you know what are they going to do? They're, they're going to say, "Hey, that Gordy guy, I don't think he he played down here. Let's let's see if he can come uh, come be the quarterback." Yeah, I don't think that would be good for anybody. Uh, talking with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports. Lynn, does it just seem like this whole season is just a wash with some teams playing less games than others, some conferences playing four less games than others? I mean, I just think this entire season needs to have an asterisk by it mm. because, you know, you're going to have players that are going to get to play five years. Uh, what are you going to do about records? You know, is uh, Bo Nix at Auburn. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna end up if 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 he doesn't have to count this year, you know, if he wanted to, he could have five years and he's getting twenty five hundred three thousand yards a year. Uh, you know, is he gonna supplant all of the all of the records at Auburn by getting to play an extra year? And I don't know. I don't know what the rule is going to be about that. And that applies, of course, for every every school. With with the uh, with the Texas A and M thing, here's what they need to have happen: they need to win out the rest of their ball games. Don't have don't have any games canceled, and Went out the rest of the games. It would be playing the playing the the uh, makeup game against Tennessee. Went in at Auburn. Um, you know they need to win out. Then they need Alabama to play for the play for the championship. Alabama, in order for them to get in it, Alabama would have to lose two games. I don't see them losing any. Uh, you know Auburn theoretically could beat them. I mean the you know that that's more or less a fifty fifty series. I think the last decade Alabama's won six and Auburn's won four, so it's a pretty even series. But even if Auburn were to beat them, then they'd still just have the one loss in their head to head with the win over Texas A and M. So it would take a real unusual thing for Alabama not to play in it. A and M needs does not need to play in the championship game. They need to be nine and one and not have to put in jeopardy losing a ball game by having to have a replay against Florida. Sit there, sit there at nine and one, having a win over a top over a top five or six team, and then just hope that that other games go the right way. Uh, Alabama, two different times, has more or less backed into the playoffs when uh, you know when they didn't have to end up playing for the championship. Uh, LSU did it one time, Auburn did it one time um, by beating Alabama in the regular season, and then Alabama then does not have to jeopardize their one loss season by going and playing the championship game. And then when one of the teams goes to the championship game and loses, then Alabama backs into it. That's what that's what Texas A&M needs to happen, is to is to sort of back into it that way. But I absolutely you could see that happening. I mean, there's already not an undefeated team in the um, in in the Big Twelve. There's only one Notre Dame in the um, in the ACC, and and you're to where with all these games being canceled. I don't know that the Wisconsin's and Oregon's are going to have a real strong case to make if they're if they're not playing as many games. So I, I think it's still a long shot for A&M, but there absolutely is a path. Uh, to where they could where they could do it, and I don't know if y'all saw the uh, recommendation or the suggestion by the by the uh, writer with the Baton Rouge paper, and I apologize for not checking who the byline was, but he was saying that this coming week that you um, you play you you change and you play different games. I think you let Arkansas and LSU their game is is coming up, and I think you yeah, play, I think that, were, play that play that. 
I think they're trying to say maybe LSU could play Alabama this week, and you kind of shuffle the whole, right. shuffle the whole schedule around to to make it work. I just that's right. I, I, don't know. I, would, I would hate to be Greg Sankey today and, and having to try to figure this thing yeah, out. Yeah, you know, it was it did not seem like a logical thing to me, Chris. But but you're looking and you're saying, is there any other way they could do it? I think it's more likely that they don't play the game at all because if you come down to to it um, and it doesn't make any difference. Uh, then you know why do why do you play it? Because if Alabama has got has got it locked up uh, to be playing in the West, then uh, play the play the Florida game on the on the rescheduled day that it was supposed to be played, and um, and just don't play the don't play the Alabama LSU game because it's you know, LSU's already got three losses, and if they lose to uh, Alabama and Texas A and M, which they're going to be favored to lose both of those, they go three and five. And uh, I did see, y'all may have seen this, Jerry Palm put out on Monday uh, his projected list of bowl games. He had 11 SEC teams going to bowls. The only ones he didn't have in there were South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt, which means you know, Arkansas still could have a losing season. I'm impressed with what he's done, but they could. Uh, Ole Miss certainly could. Uh, LSU could. Uh, in fact, LSU's going to have to beat either Alabama or Texas A&M not to have a losing season. And, um, and he's got those teams going to bowl games which that's, again, what COVID-19 is causing, because if you're going to have 30, I think, they're, I think they've settled on 35 bowl games this year. But the only way that you can avoid these cities losing the revenue from bowl games, from the TV and whatever people can go, is by having those games played. And you're not going to have enough teams that would, uh, that would have five wins. Um, you know, it would take five wins to be 50-50, which is the old six and six when we're playing 12 games. So, um I, you know, I, I think you're going to have some games, some some teams with losing records, uh, going to bowl games in order for the games to even be played. He is Lynn Scarborough, Lindy's Sports. Lynn, thanks so much for the time, man. We'll have to uh, do it again real soon. Talk to y'all soon. All right, that is just about going to do it for us on this edition of Locked On SEC. My thanks to Lance Taylor and Lynn Scarborough for joining us. Appreciate their insight. Only three games this weekend, the SEC guys, but hopefully we get a full slate. After this week, and hopefully no more postponements. They're going to have to do something to rework the schedule, but we'll talk about that when that gets announced. But for the time being, grab a Coors Light and enjoy the college football action this weekend. We'll be back Monday with full reaction to the weekend that was in the SEC. Any upsets? Arkansas? Florida? We'll see. Talk to you guys on Monday. Monday.